Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much for your tithes and offerings tonight. We believe it's going to be put, brought back to you, pressed down, shaken together, shaken together, running over. Thank you so much for your giving. I know it's been a uh, great week of Pentecost Conference. Amen. How many have been here all four nights? Raise your hand. Thank you so much. I know many of you travel long distances to be with us. We're, uh, we've seen so many great miracles take place uh, over the last uh, uh, three nights. We believe tonight's going to be no different. We're honored and privileged to have what Pastor Dosey calls the prophet of our church, Dr. Tim Bagwell, with us tonight. He got in very, very late last night. It's been several years since he's been here, and uh, I was talking to him uh, prior to coming out here. He's got a word that's going to bless us tonight. I can't wait to hear it myself. I hope you got your pads ready to go as fast as your little hands will go. Uh, I know he's got a word that's going to bless you as well as I know he's going to flow, I'm sure, in the prophetic as well and speak many words over you as well. So uh, without any further ado, let's give plenty of time to our prophet of the church, Dr. Tim Bagel. Let's give a warm welcome to our man of God tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord one more great praise tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, you can do a little bit better than that. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Well, hallelujah. You can be seated. So good to be here. Give me a moment to preamble a little bit and just say it's a great joy and a great privilege to be back with you. Um, I've been preaching at Only Believe for 30, 38 years until pandemic and all that season uh, virtually every year or sometimes twice a year. But uh, I do want to say it is good to be back, and it's good to be back in this special celebration. Um, I greatly appreciate all that uh, this church has done for our ministry through the years and the blessings that you bestowed upon us, and it's just always wonderful to return. I spent about three hours with your pastor today. He is back home and we're thanking God for that, and uh, had a wonderful time of fellowship with him, and he was pretty perky today, and, uh, and so we had a wonderful time, wonderful time of reconnecting face-to-face -face and being together, and he sends his love, and as you know, he loves you, he's praying for you, and who would have thought, who would have thought in a, right here in this part of Ohio that a church would be built that would impact the world. Uh, and we're just not talking about a church that gives to missions or a church that supports a couple missionaries. We're talking about international impact, crusades that have touched hundreds of thousands of lives into the millions of lives, technically, and all that have been won for the glory of God. And I think you should, every day when you get up, thank God for your pastor for your pastors, Pastors Pete and Phyllis, and the whole team here. Uh, no, I think you can do better than that, that you ought to thank God for them and praise God for the leadership that has been in this house. And uh, I love your pastor. I, I can't pick on him when he's not feeling good. But uh, I do want to say normally he torments me and I torment him, but uh, I was pretty nice to him today. And he was actually pretty nice to me overall, I mean. But uh, it's so good to be able to reconnect with you and with their family. 
so proud of Nicole and Randy and all the team that has been serving here in the midst of this really crisis time. And, you know, you have deep roots. Amen. I think 40, how many years is the church? 40. 41 years since this church was founded from a dirt floor garage and a couple, three people. There's deep roots in this house. And uh, that's why through pandemic, you flourished and continued. That's why through this uh, setback that he has dealt with physically, the church is still functioning and doing the purposes and the plans of God. And thank God for the deep roots of this house because it's impacting your region and it's impacting the nations of the world. And I think we should give God one more great praise for all of that. Amen. Could I have, I just want to, this is my wife's latest edition of her magazine, Shine, and uh, so many of you have had that. I can't go home if you don't buy these magazines, uh, but I do want to make mention, there is an interview in this magazine uh, uh, with a, an evangelist's wife named Karen Schatzline, and God miraculously healed her of cancer. And her testimony is life-changing. And uh, really the revelations that God gave her and her husband concerning this battle they went into. And so that's under the shine spotlight, Karen Schatzline. But it's a multi-page, about a six-page interview uh, that they had with her. And I mean, God radically changed her life. You say, well, I know God can heal and I know this. You may know somebody that's really going through a life-threatening battle with cancer or with some type of disease and this article in the weaponry of revelation that God gave her that in itself is worth getting the magazine but as most of you know this is a ladies magazine so all of you men need to buy one for your wife and uh, but Gala deals with this magazine in such a beautiful fashion but she deals with it in the natural she deals with it in the emotional she deals with it in the spiritual and if you look at this magazine, the quality of it is so exceptional. But I really would appreciate it. it would be an honor if you'd get a copy of them. I'm not here for two or three nights. I'm just here tonight. But you'd get a copy and uh, maybe get two copies. Get one for yourself and then get one to give away. Because what's in it will change lives. And so I'd just like you to have that. Uh, Quentin, get up here. You make yourself useful. Thank you. Praise God. And so um, I just want to encourage you to do that. Now, I'm almost ready to preach, so just, and are you all still alive out there? You're the quietest breathing church I've ever been in the presence of. I am on June the 9th, June the 9th, I will celebrate my 53rd anniversary in full-time ministry. And so... I didn't realize it was that close. And when I say full time, you know, some people, they get a card and then oh, I was ordained or licensed and uh, they preach once a year, but they've been in the ministry for X number of years. When I say full time, I mean, I traveled from uh, 19, yeah, no, no, it's 51st year, I'm sorry. 51st year full time. The church has been in existence 53. Uh, our church is celebrating its 53rd anniversary. 
I'm celebrating my 51st anniversary in ministry. And, but when I say full-time, I mean, when I started in 1972, I preached over 300, uh, really 11 months of the year every night, plus on the radio five days a week. That's how I started. Life's pretty easy now. I don't work quite that hard. But uh, traveled all over the nation, all over the world. I drive over 100,000 miles a year, get behind the wheel. That's where I could afford to fly. So I could hardly afford to put gas in the car. But drive, do the meetings, do the revivals. And I thank God for 51 years of being able to do the work of the kingdom. And so 38 of those 51, I've been preaching here. So I know at least I had one place to preach the last 38 years. And so it's just a pleasure to be back. I have... Um, I really have had God deal with me about several things. And it's been a while since I've been here with you. And so can I kind of kick back with you a little bit and really talk to you, preach to you about some things that I feel really came directly from the Holy Spirit, a real download from heaven. And so if you'll give me an ear, I will fill your ear and then your heart with some things that I believe came direct from the throne room in the midst of great crisis and in the midst of great battles that our nation and our churches were dealing with. So are you with me tonight? Well, let's, if you would, let's stand across the house and I want to read a segment to you. I want to read a segment to you out of the book of Joshua. And I have preached out of Joshua so many times. It's one of my favorite books, and I believe the book of Joshua is a prophetic oracle to the church that is a historical account, but if you can see it through the eyes of the Spirit, you will see great and mighty things. In Joshua, the first chapter, and I'm going to start with the second verse, and I'm going to read through the ninth. Joshua, the first chapter, the second verse and I'm going to read through the ninth. I'll read off the screen. This is in the New King James. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness, this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, and as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you should divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of a good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed 
for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, in the name of Jesus, anoint every ear to hear, every mind to perceive, and every heart to believe. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, you may be seated. I want to preach to you tonight. I'm going to release a lot of things that I feel God personally dealt with me. But one of the things God spoke to me about was just a terminology. And he said, I want my people to understand. I want them to have total victory. Can you say that with me? Total? Okay, let's do it together. Total victory. One more time. Total victory. I believe God wants us to walk in complete victory. I believe God made us three-dimensional. He made us body. He made us soul slash mind, will, emotions. And he made us a spirit. So we're a spirit, naturally, that dwells in a body. And we understand the thief came but to kill, to steal, and destroy. But the Lord said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I came that you would have the zoe of God or the life of God and then have an overflowing, superfluous outpouring of the blessing of God. So a lot of times when you talk to people, and I think this is very common, you talk to people about their walk with God or their life. And many people you talk to, they have great victory financially. Or, but relationally, their life is in chaos. Or they have a great marriage, great family, great home, but they can barely get their bills paid. Then other people, they can get their bills paid, but they're constantly sick with something. If they get over one thing, it seems like they're battling with another. How many, uh, the gentleman was mentioning, the word of the Lord said through the apostle John, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Not just prosper, but be in health even as your soul doth prosper. So we're dealing with a natural blessing, which is financial prosperity. We're dealing with a natural blessing in health, but then we're also dealing with a soul or a emotional and spiritual blessing as your soul doth prosper. You still with me? Give me a minute here. I'm laying some groundwork. And so what begins to happen, God began to just begin to speak to me. He said, I'm not a God of partial victory. Because if you just have partial victory, you will live in battle. You with me? And I think we get so accustomed to being in a battleground that we don't, we're not looking for an end of the battle. Because when you look for an end of the battle, you're looking also for an end of the war. And God has something bigger and better for us than to just live in struggle and just live in conflict and live in crisis. And uh, I, I see the resilience in your pastor, the determination in your pastor. Okay, I've been through, I'm walking through something. I'm dealing with something. But I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up on the dream. I'm not going to give up on the vision. I'm not going to give on, uh, up on the things that God has said and God has declared. So I want to say to you tonight, number one, God wants you to walk in total victory. You still with me? See, Philippians, the fourth chapter, the 19th verse says, but my God shall supply all. Everybody say all. all. But my God shall supply how many? All. all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So God's not saying I'm going to give you partial supply. God's not saying I'm going to supply 50% of your need. God's not saying I'm going to supply 75% of your need or 20. You know, he said I'm going to supply all all your need. Through what? Through his riches. 
So it doesn't matter what inflation is. It doesn't matter what the stock market is. doesn't matter whether the Democrats or the Republicans are in control. What matters is God said, I shall supply all your need according to my riches that are in glory. Now, how many understand something? You have a need for health. You have a need for peace. You have a need for joy. You have a need for your marriage to be healthy. You have a need for your children to be a legacy and to be blessed and have the hand of God upon. These are needs in your life. And God said, I shall supply all your need. And when you think about it, it said that a good man will leave an inheritance for his children's children. So that means you need to be blessed enough to be able to bless two generations after you because God said a good man will leave an inheritance for two more generations. How many understand? You can't do that if you are receiving less than enough. Everybody say total victory. Now, let's go back to Joshua for a minute. Moses, my servant, is dead. That's very eloquently put. God's speaking to Joshua, who is probably closer to Moses than any human being on the face of the earth. And the nation of Israel is grieving, and they had been grieving for many days. So God says, all right, Moses is dead. Not that he's passed away. Uh, not that I have gently cradled him in my arms and taken him into the bliss of eternity. He just look, talks to Joshua and says, Moses is dead. Get up. Arise. One of the things that God began to speak to my spirit, he said what the pandemic did was it put everybody in a position of loss. Say, what do you mean? Exactly what I said. We all lost things during that season. Some people lost loved ones. Some people lost time. Some people lost careers. Some people lost businesses. Some people lost multiples of things. They lost health. They lost strength. I have people in my church that were impacted by COVID that they still have not regained complete health and strength. They still are struggling with breathing issues, lung conditions, etc., etc. Now, I'm not here to talk about the pandemic all night, but I want to say something to you. There are moments in our life that we have to accept we have suffered loss, but God God did not call us to lay down. God called us to rise up. So now the nation of Israel is at a transitional point. And now God is saying, I chose at this strategic transition to call Moses home. But now I am telling you to arise. You have to get up, you Joshua, number one, because nobody was closer to Moses than you were. You got to get up. You've got to abandon your fears and your insecurities and your worries and all the things of now I have to lead this nation. You've got to get delivered from all of that. You've got to get up, you, and now 
everybody in this nation has got to rise up, wipe the tears out of their eyes, shake the dust off of themselves, quit talking about what they lost, and it's time for you to cross over. It's time for you to break through the barrier, and it's time for you to enter into the place that I have prepared for you. You still here? So arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give them even to the children of Israel. Now, two things I want you to grab here. The definition of victory is the act of defeating an enemy, the act of defeating an enemy in battle. Not just the act of fighting an enemy. Are you with me? Not just the act of being in warfare with an enemy, the act of defeating an enemy in battle. It means you just don't engage in the battle. It means you win the battle. You just don't engage in the spiritual conflict. You win the conflict. You just don't engage in the financial conflict. You win the conflict. And you rise up and you say, victory is mine. Is everybody all right? God spoke something to me. And he said, tell my people that wherever they have experienced victory, let the faith of that victory feed the faith for victory in other areas. I said, what? He said, all right. He said, if your people, he said, you can point them out in your church that have had great financial victory, tell them that if they will take that faith and that confidence in they, that they have, that God shall supply all their need financially, that God will put them in a place of financial more than enough and overflow, tell them to take that faith and transfer it if they're struggling relationally or if they're struggling physically or they're struggling emotionally. Are you following me? Or if they have great faith that my Lord, no matter what happens, my marriage will be built on the rock. My relationship with my my spouse is solid because of the grace and the power of God. Take that faith and take that confidence and shift it over and believe me for healing in your body or financial breakthrough because what God is saying is victory is the act of defeating an enemy in battle. Not the act of being in battle, the act of winning the battle. Then God said, I'll supply all the need, which is, means the whole amount. I'm going to take care of all of it. The whole amount, whatever you need, I'm going to take care of all of it. If somebody walked up to you, a very wealthy person, and said, okay, uh, I want to give you all of what you need to pay off all debt in your life. Do you think you'd be stupid to tell them half of what you needed? So say you needed $100,000 to pay off all your debt, to pay off your house, pay off your credit cards, car, whatever. So let's just say the number was 100,000 and that was all your need. And you say, well, I, yeah, well, you know, 25,000 will take care of it. Well, no, it's not gonna take care of it. That's only taking care of 25% of it. You know how a lot of us are with God? God's saying, I'm ready to take care of all of it. And you're telling God, well, I'd just be appreciative if you just take care of 25% of it. God's saying, what's wrong with you? I own the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold and the silver in the hills. 
I am the God of more than enough and it is my will that you prosper. So why are you asking me for half when you can have all that you need? God is trying to get through to you. Financially, he wants you to defeat your enemy. Physically, he wants you to defeat the enemy. Emotionally, he wants you to defeat the enemy. Mentally, he wants you to defeat the enemy. Relationally, he wants you to defeat the enemy. That you can have victory and victory in all of it. Everybody say all of it. Are you still here? Israel was living in Egypt, which we all understand was a place of bondage. Now, if, if we're going to have total victory, that means that physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, relationally, there needs to be a defeating of the enemy. So the Lord didn't say, who the Lord hath made free is 50% free. Didn't say where the spirit of the Lord is, there is 75% liberty. Said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He who the Lord hath made free is free indeed. You are totally free. So now, now you begin to think about it. They lived in Egypt, and when Moses first came to them, the Bible said they could not hear him because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. He was talking to them, but they couldn't hear him. Have you ever been in a place that God was trying to get through to you, but whatever you were in the middle of, you couldn't even hear God? I know you're all more spiritual than the Colorado folks, but anybody ever go to a place God's trying to get through to you, and it's just like uh, it, he's not making much progress. But God tells most of you go to Pharaoh. Basically, you go to the source of the bondage, and you begin to deal with the source of the bondage. And I'm, I'm challenging you on something, and I'm going to get there. That's uh, where I'm heading. But there are spiritual forces that are trying to rob you of your destiny, and you're going to have to accept that to be who God has called you to be, you have to put the powers of the enemy under your feet daily and consistently and crush the head of the adversary. And that's exactly what Moses had to do with Pharaoh. So Egypt was a place of bondage. And Egypt was a place that stole the identity of God's people. They first stole their identity and then they perverted their identity because they stole from them the revelation that they were the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they were a chosen nation, and then they perverted the identity by causing them to believe you are an inferior species, you are nothing but slaves, you are nothing but people that are here to serve us. Basically, they took the chosen of God and transferred an identity that was a lie that they were an inferior culture. You know what the enemy's trying to do with the church right now? He's trying to steal from us the revelation that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. He is trying to steal from us the revelation that we're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He's trying to steal from us the revelation that we are kings and we are priests. And he's trying to pervert 
the revelation of who we are into believing that we are not going to make the impact that God's word has said we can make, that the word is not relevant, the word does not connect to this generation, the church is not gonna survive. But I got news for you. When God says something, there is no expiration date on it. And when God declares something, he is going to bring to pass everything that he has said. Now I'm going somewhere, so stay with me. So they're in the place of bondage and the place of stolen and perverted identity. Then God takes them into the wilderness. You with me? God takes them into the wilderness. And the wilderness became a place of miracles. But not just any kind of miracle. If you really research, the miracles of the wilderness were sustaining miracles. Water coming out of the rock. If they didn't have it, they'd die of thirst. Manna coming down. If they didn't have it, they would starve. A cloud to cover them. If they didn't have it, they would get sunstroke. Uh, a, a pillar of fire to warm them. If not, the coldness of the desert would also be destructed. Are you following me? Everything that God did for them in the wilderness, even though it was miraculous, it was a miracle of sustaining the widow woman. What was the miracle with the widow and the oil and the meal? It was a sustaining miracle. She sustained the prophet and the prophet sustained her or God sustained her through the prophet. You with me? But let me ask you a question. If just being sustained was the perfect plan of God, then why was God trying to get them out of the wilderness? because God wanted more for his people than just enough. He wanted more for his people than just enough. He wanted more for his people than to say, well, praise God, we all get some manna, and you know what? There was just enough for one day. And he told them, don't take any more. Just get enough for one day. You talk about putting a lid on it. God's saying you can't even put it in the freezer and eat it tomorrow. No, this is for today. I'm going to give you just enough for today. I'm going to keep you just warm enough. I'm going to keep you just cool enough. I'm going to get you just enough water. Are you following me? And if that's what God wanted for his people, he had them right where he wanted. And what a legacy. Every day we live in a miracle. Every day we see the manifested hand of God. Every day we're warmed and every day we're cooled and every day we're fed and every day we're watered and our shoes don't wear out. Can you ladies imagine one pair of shoes? My God, you talk about a curse. Lord have mercy, even if those sandals had the red soles on the bottom or whatever, those Christian Louboutin ones or, or whatever, whatever the case might be, God was, they were living in a pair of shoes in garments that did not wear out and everybody gets excited. It was so miraculous. It was so miraculous. Can you imagine every day eating the same thing? Every day drinking the same thing? Every day wearing the same shoes? Every day, every day, every day. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same. That's not what God wants for us. I'm praying and the Lord showed me in the spirit. And our church has a middle eye like you do. And he showed me my wife's hand in my hand. And he said, I'm getting ready to do something in your church. 
I said, what are you getting ready to do? He said, I'm getting ready to put your foot in the water and I'm getting ready to part the waters and I'm getting ready to shift your people from just enough to a supernatural overflow. I'm getting ready to move them from the place of partial victory to the place of total victory. Only believe I want you to hear me. Those of you that are watching online, I want you to hear me. God is not in the mood right now to give you a 25% blessing. God wants to supply all your need. God is not wanting to keep you in a place that you have just enough. Just enough is not what God wants for you. I've come that you would have the life of God and have it superfluously. I don't want you to have just enough. I want you to have more than enough. And when they put their foot in the water, the waters parted and God permanently transferred them out of the place of just enough into the place of the unlimited blessings of God. Somebody's got to help me. No, I said somebody needs to help me tonight. I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting with me. Somebody's got to grab this tonight because some of you are in a walk right now. You're in a collision, positive collision course with leaving the limitation of your yesterday and stepping into the miracle of your tomorrow. Oh, you better give God some praise. Stay with me, stay with me. Go to Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, the third verse. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. I'm looking for it on the screen. So he humbled you, he allowed you to hunger, and he fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your father know that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word. Read that last part with me. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Know what that means? Your life is not in any circumstantial thing that you see. Your life is in everything that God has declared to you. You're not living by bread only. Said, well, he sent manna. Yes, he sent manna, but that's not what he was talking about here. Well, there was never anything. The only way manna came was that God spoke it into existence. There was never a manna field. There was never a manna seed. There was never a manna crop. Are you following me? No. He's saying man does not live by the natural. Man truly lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I want you to hear me tonight. There is no expiration date on what God has declared over your life. There is no limit over what God wants to do in your life. Because your life is in the God set. Now let's go to Deuteronomy 8, chapter 8, 12 and 13. Chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. And so now that says, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, 13, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Now what I want you to catch there, it's not if it happens, it's when it happens. 
Okay, some of these things I have shared with you before, but I, I want you to grab this. It's not if it happens, it's when it happens. But I want you to look at it. Your gold's going to multiply. Your herds are going to multiply. Your houses are going to be blessed. Everything about you is going to start operating in another dimension, another realm. In other words, uh, we're not going to live in a tent anymore. We're not going to eat manna three days, uh, three meals a day. We're not going to just look and say, well, I have just enough. No, when, not if. When, not if. See, that's what we've got to rise up and say. It's not if, uh, it's, it's when it's going to happen, not if it's going to happen. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor. You know, I, I don't have a great education. It's not if, it's when. You've got to understand, Pastor, you know, nobody in my family has ever made over $50,000 a year. It's not if, it's when. You say, why? Because the will of the nature of God is to move you out of a place of limitation into a place of overflow. If that wasn't his heart, then why didn't he leave him in the wilderness? Now, let's move on in the eighth chapter of Deuteronomy. Eighth chapter of Deuteronomy, the 18th verse. The 18th verse, and it reads this. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So now it's saying here, not if, it's when. Everybody say, not if, when. But he's talking about the power to move into an overflow. The power to move into an overflow. Now, what did the enemy do in, the, in Egypt? He perverted their identity. The minute the enemy can cause you to believe that you are not who God says you are is the minute that you shift, uh, that you lose out on what God is wanting to take you to. Now, they couldn't get out of the wilderness without breaking a barrier. Still here? Everybody look at your neighbor. Say, wake up, baby. Come on, lift your right hand. I want to see your right hand. Lift your left hand. Say that. Now shake him. Okay, come on, come on. Just shake him really good. Stand up. Everybody stand up with your hands up, shaking them. Okay, Just keep, them, keep them moving. Now stretch them out. Come on. Okay, now twist around a little bit. Okay, sit down and say hallelujah. That's the Holy Ghost hokey pokey right there. No, I, I, you can't miss what I'm getting ready to go into. See, for them to leave the place of just enough and move into the place of overflowing more than enough and not the if it's going to happen, but the when it's going to happen, there was a barrier that had to be moved, and they put their feet in the waters, and the barrier was opened. Now go to Zechariah, the fourth chapter, the sixth and seventh verse. Still with me? It says this, Zechariah chapter four, six, and seven. Okay. It says, who art thou, O great mountain? I still have faith they're going to find Zechariah, the fourth chapter. Thank you, Jesus. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Next verse. 
Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstones with shouts of grace, grace to it. Who art thou, O thou mountain? You shall become a plain. So what's being said? We've not seen, uh, when you go uh, move over to Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. Matthew 21, verse 21. And Jesus is saying, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Now, we don't see literal mountains uprooted and thrown into the ocean. He is talking about barriers. He's talking about obstacles. He's talking about hindrances. He's talking about things that are trying to keep you in the wilderness uh, uh, versus the promise, trying to keep you into a place of just enough instead of a place of overflow and more than enough. Am I making any sense? So who art thou, O thou mountain? that stands before Zerubbabel, be thou made a plain. Now, most of the time we preach this and we said, yeah, it's just like, who art thou? You know, like, no, it's saying, identify what the barrier is. What's the barrier? What's the wall? What's the mountain? It doesn't mean you sit there and, and give so much glory to the enemy, but it's just you start identifying what is the barrier? What is the wall? What is the mountain? And if you say, Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain, because life and death are in the power of the tongue, the life of your future is coming out of your mouth because part of what should come out of your mouth is a sharp two-edged sword because Jesus said, you can do the works that I do and greater works than these in the book of Revelation. It talked about a sharp two-edged sword coming out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you speak and that sharp two-edged sword comes out, what are you doing? You are attacking the barriers. You are attacking the mountains. You are attacking the river that don't seem to part. You're attacking the obstacles that are coming to rob you of what God has declared over your life. Stay with me tonight because if you can hear what the Spirit is saying, you've got to get this, that when you can speak to that mountain instead of keep talking about the mountain, the mountain will begin to be uprooted. It will begin to be moved because you are taking authority over what is trying to stop you from leaving the place of just enough into the place of overflow, leaving the place of 25% victory and entering into the place of total victory. So Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Now, I live in mountain country. From my back patio, I could see the western slope and all the mountains. And I looked to my left and I could see Pikes Peak. And those mountains have been there a long time. And I believe with as anointed as I have been at moments, and I could say, I declare Pikes Peak be moved. It's going to be there. But I can speak to obstacles in my life. I can speak to roadblocks in my life. I can speak to barriers in my life. I believe I have what I need to declare anything that is trying to rob me of the overflow that God has prepared for me. I believe I've got enough life and enough power in the words that I speak to move those mountains. The weapons of our warfare, 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. 
it ultimately concludes with this statement. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of our strong, pulling down of strongholds. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for pulling down or destroying strongholds. Casting that arguments at every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal. Now, can I finish this message? Would that be all right? Because I've been laying the groundwork to get you to something that is very significant. God is trying to show us something. I want to move you from a place of maintenance into a place of overflow. But to do that, I have to move mountains. I have to move barriers. I have to move things that are trying to rob you. When the pan Jerry Savelle was at our church, I think it was the first Sunday of March 2020. Had an incredible day, incredible word. Church was just so blessed. Between that Sunday and the next Sunday, excuse me, all hell broke loose. And by Friday, they kept changing everything, but by Friday of the, that week, after Jerry was with us, I had to make a decision that we had to go virtual. And if we didn't, there would be severe legal ramifications. And so we went virtual. During that week and all the chaos and, well, you can only have this many people in the building, you can only do this and you can only do that. During that week, God spoke something to my spirit. And he spoke to me and he said, Tim, he said, you're dealing you will deal through this pandemic with five distinct spirits that are coming against the church and coming against people's personal lives and coming against their destinies. And he spoke to my spirit and he said, I want you every day from now on to rebuke these things. And I want you to train your people that every day they take authority over these five distinct spiritual manifestations. And I said, well, what are they, God? He said, first of all, he said, they're mountains. They're barriers. They're Philistines. They are blockades to people's destiny. As you well realize, not everybody got sick during the pandemic. Not everybody had financial regression during the pandemic. But the one thing that everybody went through was all the traumatization of it. And you had to be very spiritually disciplined to keep your mind in the right place, to keep your emotions in the right place, to preserve vision, etc., etc. The Lord said there are five distinct spirits that I have to put you into warfare against. He said one is the spirit of the destroyer. And I'm going to backtrack. So if you're taking notes and you want to write these down, that's fine. One is the spirit of the destroyer. Two is the spirit of fear. 
Three is the spirit of heaviness. Four is the spirit of infirmity. Five is the spirit of the devourer. I said, all right. And he said, now, and he's taking me back to some of the things I'm sharing with you tonight. He said, I taught my disciples to speak to that mountain. And I am telling you that every day you have to speak to these mountains to keep them neutralized to where you can move out of limitation and possess what I say that you can have. Now, this is what God told me, and this is what God told me to tell my church. And so this is not my church, but I've been in a relationship with you longer than some of you have been here. I've been in a relationship with you longer than some of you have been alive. But I have been sent with a prophetic word for you that it is time to move the mountains. No, I, I, I thank you for the 12 disciples. I said it is time to move the mountains. Okay, stay with me. It is time to move the mountains. Say it again. It is time to move the mountains. Okay. The first thing he dealt with me about was a destroyer. The, in Revelation 9-11, it said, the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in Greek is Apollyon. Then when you go to Exodus 12, verse 23, the Lord teaches us how he told the people, when I see the blood, I will pass over the doorway of the house and I will not allow the destroyer to come in. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The first weapon to deal with that spirit is the blood. The Lord said, when I see the blood, I will encamp in front of the doorway of your house and I will not allow the destroyer to come in. Why? Because the blood has a voice. And when the Lord sees the blood applied to the doorpost of your spiritual house and in a sense the doorpost of your natural house, the enemy has no legal access to your body. He has no legal access to your mind. He has no legal access to your emotions. He has no legal access to anything that pertains to you. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. That didn't mean he was doing a flyby. It meant he stepped right in front of the doorway of the house house and say because I see the blood I am taking charge over the attack of the destroyer so for the last many months I have every day said God I plead the blood against the destroyer he has no right to access my body no right to access my mind no right to touch anything that pertains to my church my ministry my life and no matter what his diabolical plan may be greater is he that is in me that he that is in the world so I've got a barrier to deal with that barrier one mountain's name is the destroyer but I'll tell you one thing when you plead the blood you move that mountain that mountain will stand there and say I want to wreck your marriage I want to wreck your thinking I want to ruin your, your children I want to ruin your physical body I want to ruin your finance but you're either going to stand on the side of just enough 
enough or you're going to say, get out of my way. I plead the blood against you. I'm going into the place of more than enough. I'm going into the place of supernatural overflow. I'm going into the place that my life will not be infected or impacted by negativity, by loss, by lack, by limitation. I declare the devourer is rebuked through the blood of the Lamb. Somebody help me. We get so many people, they get so caught up in uh, demonic activity. And I, I want to tell you something. If you're born again, there's no way you can be born again without being washed in the blood. And you're not truly born again unless the blood of the lamb has been applied to the doorpost of your house. And I, I, I'm putting notice on the devil that anybody in this room that has a true born again experience he can't touch your thinking. He can't touch your body. He can't touch your finances. You just got to rise up and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The victory of your life is defeating, defeating the enemy. Not just be in war with him, but win the battle, win the war. And part of how you win the battle is through the power of the blood. Now, I'm, I'm doing a lot of abbreviations tonight. Second spirit, second mountain he dealt with me about was a mountain of fear or the spirit of fear. In Second Timothy, you read, it says this, for I've not given you the spirit of fear, but I've given you the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So now, all right, whatever term you want to put to it, it's very interesting. Let's read a definition of fear. Part of the definition is cowardice. It's also timidity. It's also the desire to flee in the midst of a battle. You with me? It also means synonyms, panic, terror, anxiety, worry, scared, fearfulness. That's fear. They, they've researched and they said the two driving human emotions... The, true dry, the two forces that are driving are not love and hate. They are love and fear. People want to be loved. They want to give love. It's a driving force in their life. And then the other driving force is fear. What people are afraid of, the loss of security. They're afraid of criticism. Are, are you following me? They're worried about this. They're having meltdowns. They're having anxiety attacks. I still don't get this brown paper bag thing. You know, people, I can't breathe. I'm having an anxiety attack. Give me a brown paper. I don't, I don't understand what the brown paper bag thing does, but a lot of people, they got to grab a bag to get them their anxiety attack. They're worried about everything. They can't sleep at night. Fear is destructive. It'll shorten your life. It'll destroy your health. But God says through the apostle Paul, under the anointing of the spirit, God didn't give you this. Are you with me? God didn't give you this. No, I'm going to say it again. God didn't give you this. So every time you lay awake all night worrying, God didn't give you that spirit. 
Every time you're about to have an emotional meltdown, God didn't give you that spirit. Every time you're having an anxiety moment, God didn't give that to you. He didn't cause you or want you to be terrorized. Do you realize everything about what the enemy controls is to propagate fear? It doesn't matter if you listen to CNN or Fox. It doesn't matter if you listen to it conservative or liberal. It will end up in a result that you turn the television off and you look and you say, man, I'm worried about that. I'm fearful about that. Isn't that amazing? You can, don't listen to the 10 o'clock news and try to go to sleep and have peaceful rest. Because it doesn't matter what it is. They can't even tell you it's going to rain. Oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. No, there's going to be immense thunderstorms, a cloud over the air, potential of flash flooding. You can't even have a flipping rainstorm anymore without somebody trying to scare you to death and tell you to stay home. If it rains a lot, they will tell you that that's a problem. In Colorado, we have a problem because it's so dry. We've had so much rain this year, it looks like Ireland out there. And it's wonderful, it's green. But you know what they'll do? They won't say anything about the fact that the reservoirs are overflowing. They'll talk about flash flooding. They'll talk about mudslides. But they won't say, isn't it wonderful the reservoirs are overflowing? No, they got to talk about something negative. And then if it doesn't rain, well, you got to have water restrictions. Now, we have a different climate than you do here. Oh, there's, the, the, the reservoirs are going down. And California most of the time steals most of the water from Colorado. But the fact of the matter is, here we've got all of this, and what do they want to do? If it's raining, that's a problem. If it's not raining, it's a problem. If we have snow, nobody says, isn't this pretty? No, they're telling you, you better watch out. The temperatures are going to drop. We're going to catastrophic lows. It's going to be so cold if you step outside. You'll die before you get to your car. And it's like you can't even watch the weather without being terrorized. God help us if you listen to anything political. That's enough to make you want to jump out the basement window. Come on. Why? Because anything the enemy is involved with, he will ultimately end up in terrorizing you. He will ultimately end up in creating anxiety, fearfulness, panic, worry. But God did, I didn't give you that. I didn't get, so when you start looping into that, you got to say, wait a minute, God didn't give me that. He gave me power. That word power is dunamis. That word dunamis means miracle working power, explosive power, life changing power. I didn't give you the fear but I gave you the power and I gave you the agape and the word tells us in the writings of John that perfect love casts out fear I'm trying to move quickly because I want to get through this but I know some of you are getting close to that turning into a pumpkin thing and so stay with me the, the truth is God said perfect love will cast out fear so I gave you power over fear then I gave you love that will cast out fear and the word sound mind deals with judgment which means means God has given us divine wisdom. So I've given you miracle working power, a source that casts out fear, and wisdom to deal with the decisions of life. Therefore, quit being fearful. I didn't give it to you. Get rid of it. So how do you get rid of it? You use love. You use power. You use wisdom. And what does that do? That rebukes 
the spirit of fear. Number three. Third thing is, he talked about to me about the spirit of heaviness. The word heaviness means despair, being disheartened, being faint, or giving up. Isaiah 61, 3 just said, he says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So stay with me here. What are we talking about? We're talking about moving mountains. We're talking about moving barriers. I'm closer to being done than you realize. I, I'm looking at the countdown clock up there, and it's almost going to explode because it's being overloaded. Uh, we're dealing with moving mountains. You know why God wants to move the mountain? Because he wants to get you out of the place of just enough and move you into the place of overflow. So how do we deal with the workings of the destroyer? Through the blood. How do we deal with fear, power, love, sound mind? How do you deal with the spirit of heaviness? Put on the garment of praise. Now here's the deal. When you feel like praising God the least, it's we need to praise him the most. Now, I'll say it again. I'm going to come over here because you people are listening. I don't know about this side of the building. But see, when you feel like praising God the least is when you praise him the most. Have any of you ever shouted when you didn't feel like shouting? Have any of you ever given God a sacrifice of praise? Have any of you ever praised God when you got a bad doctor's report? I know this church started praising God because he was the Lord who heals. When you were getting the reports about your pastor, I know there were people praising God for his healing while he was in ICU. I know that you were praising God. You weren't just praying. You were praising. You were declaring he is the Lord who heals. It is the will of God that he prosper and be in health. He, I, and so you begin to praise God. You get bad financial reports. You got to start praising God because he is Jehovah Jireh. Now my people get wore out with this because the Lord taught us when we pray the Lord's prayer, hallowed be thy name. Now, I use the Lord's Prayer as my prayer pattern. And I learned a long time ago that when I say hallowed be thy name, I just don't say hallowed be thy name because that word hollow means to really adore or to honor or to lift up the name of the Lord. So when I hollow his name, what am I doing? I'm praising him because he's the Lord my righteousness. I'm praising him because he's the Lord my sanctification. I'm praising him because he's my shepherd and I shall not want. I praise him because he's Adonai, my master. I praise him because he's El Shaddai, God Almighty. I praise him because he's Jehovah Nissi, my banner of victory and my rod of authority. I praise him because he's Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. I praise him because he's Jehovah. I am that I am the self-existent one. I praise him because he's Jesus, my savior. I praise him because he's the Holy Ghost, my comforter. I praise him because he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I praise him because he's Jehovah Shalom, my peace and the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard my heart and will guard my mind. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? So when you're heavy, when you're in despair, when you're disheartened, when you feel like you're going to collapse under the pressure of things, start praising him. And it's not just, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I, no, 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 no. Start saying, Lord, you are the Lord who heals. Lord, you are the Lord, my shepherd. Lord, you are the Lord, my peace. You are my righteousness. You are my sanctification. You are my shepherd. You are El Shaddai, God Almighty, the God that can make something out of nothing. I guarantee you, if you will put on the garment of praise for five minutes, you will rebuke the spirit of heaviness and send it back to the pit of hell. Say, life is tough, Pastor. Oh, what a newsflash. 
Thank you for that sacred information. Life is tough. So what are we going to do? Are we going to use the weapon of the blood? Are we going to use power, love, and a sound mind? Are we going to use praise? And what are we doing with it? We are moving the barrier that we can leave just enough in maintenance and enter into the overflow of not if, but when. Okay, I'm, I'm, close, I'm close to being done. But I'm preaching so good. But you ought to be happy. Infirmity. Go to Luke, if you could get this for me. Luke, the 13th chapter and the 11th and 12th verses. Luke, the 13th chapter, the 11th and the 12th verses. Talks about the spirit of infirmity. And behold, there was a woman who had the spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. The spirit of infirmity. That was the fourth spirit God told me I had to wage war against. Can anybody, is anybody here, is there anybody here can touch your toes? Good Lord. Not in the whole great state of Ohio. I need a man. Is there a man that can touch his toes? I'd, I'd, not sitting down. <laughs> Bending over, touch your toe. Okay, come up here. Very good. Now stay there. All right, for 18 years. No, for 18 years, the woman that had the spirit of infirmity was bent over like that. For 18 years, and the Lord identified it as a spirit of infirmity, but he looked at her and he said, woman, thou art loosed. Now, praise God. Now, for 18 years, she couldn't live life. For 18 years, she couldn't enjoy life. For 18 years, she couldn't move and, and she was immobile and she was tormented and she was afflicted. But the Lord took authority over the spirit of infirmity. And you want to know something, and, and I'm not saying this in any form of disrespect. Today, as I sat across the table from your pastor, we agreed in prayer. And I just said, I got to pray what the Lord's telling me. I said, Pastor Dosik, I rebuke the spirit of infirmity that would try to be a barrier to you fulfilling divine destiny. And I want to say to you, God doesn't want you to have a good day. And I said, I felt good on Monday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are pretty. No, no, no. God wants total victory. And when total victory comes, the spirit of infirmity is under your feet. And the Lord is trying to get you to understand something. He is the Lord who heals. When you lay your hands on the sick, they recover. This church stands as a beacon of life and hope for people that are sick and people that are afflicted. It's no surprise to me that the enemy attacked your pastor physically, but when God is doing the work that he's doing and you see him back in the pulpit again with his strength renewed like the eagle, with his youth being renewed like the eagle, he's going to be a light that'll shine in a dark place. 
place. Why? Because the spirit of infirmity is a barrier to you and it is a barrier to your family. It is a barrier to your finances to rob you of what God has called and destined you to do. But in 2020, God said to me, every day, every day, rebuke the destroyer. Every day, rebuke the spirit of fear. Every day, rebuke the spirit of heaviness. Every day, rebuke the spirit of infirmity. And every day, rebuke the devourer. Because all of it stands as a barrier to rob you, your church, your ministry, your life, your people's lives of what God has for them. It's the last point. We know in Malachi, the third chapter, it says, prove me now here with saith the Lord, with your tithe and with your offerings. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing until it overflows. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Is there an envelope anywhere around here? Just give me some. Okay. Will you please forgive me if I don't remember your first name? Uh, it's what? Phil. Phil. Phil, come here. I didn't. I knew not to ask you to touch your toes. Uh, I want to show you something. Okay, Phil. First of all, we know the destroyer is handled through the blood. We know fear is handled through power, love, and wisdom. We know the spirit of heaviness is handled through praise. We know the spirit of infirmity is handled because healing is in the atonement. And it is God's will that we're healed. And he is the Lord who heals. And we know as Jesus did, he rebuked the spirit of infirmity. But I want to show you something about your seed. So when you take a seed and you sow it. So let's say there's, you know, typical offering for you, five, $6,000 on any given day. Uh, I'm... I wish I wasn't teasing, but, but you sow that seed. And when that seed leaves your hands, where's a bucket, a container? Did you remove them all from the house of God? How dare you take the offering containers and not restore them into the temple? He's thinking I'm serious. Pretty close. All right, this represents a receptacle that you put a seed into. Everybody's getting quiet now. He's talking about money. Money, 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 money. But he said, if you will test me with your tithe, but not just your tithe and your offering, and you'll sow it, the first thing I will do is I will unlock the floodgates. But here's the other part. I will rebuke the devourer. So when the seed goes in, God, as he would stand in front of the doorway of the house to deal with the destroyer, God instantly, when your seed goes in, he looks at Satan and says, I, Jehovah Jireh, rebuke you. 
know what that means? That the enemy, come here, you look kind of devilish tonight. You. So, now, now you, be the destroyer. So when the power of the blood comes, you're trying to access but when the power of the blood comes, the Lord stands in front of the doorway of the house and pushes that enemy back. And then when fear comes, uh, love, power, a sound mind pushes him back. Uh, when heaviness comes, glory, glory, hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down, uh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Since I laid, since I laid, since I laid my burdens down, uh, and then when sickness comes uh, and he tries to come, I rebuke the spirit of infirmity. But when the seed gets sown, the second it transfers from your hand, the second, come down to the middle, I just come straight at my friend here. Come here. Over there, this way, he's coming at you. I rebuke. Let's do that again. Let's not break anything this time. Come at him. Get up there. Just, just get. A, just kind of gently move. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming to attack. I rebuke the spirit of infirmity. The thundering roar from the heavens comes out of the heavens and drives that spirit back. What I, what I want to get through to you. You can say all you want. I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke the devourer. But this is part of it. That it's the release of your seed that activates the voice of the Almighty to take authority over the attack against your finances. Thank you, my friend. Somebody give the great man of God a hand. So what, is anybody, yeah, you can get that with the empty envelope in it. What I, is anybody getting anything out of this? See, God began to deal with me on this, and he said, and I know I preached a long time, and I don't apologize, but I haven't preached here in a long time, so I make it up for a couple years at least, so that would be like I could preach about five hours and catch up, but I'm finishing with this. You gotta understand something. There is a barrier that wants to keep you in the place of just enough, a barrier that wants to keep you accepting sickness, keep you accepting fear, keep you accepting grief, and being disheartened and being frustrated. There's a spirit that wants to get you to accept that not enough is okay. There's a spirit that wants to get you to accept things that are anti the will of God. And the Lord said, if you'll do what I tell you to do and you speak to that mountain, it will move and you will cross in to not if, but when. I think somebody ought to give God a praise. No, I think somebody ought to give God a praise. No, no, no. I said I think somebody ought to give God a great put on the garment of praise kind of praise. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, come on, come on. Put your hands together. Shout with a voice of triumph. Lift up your voices toward heaven. 
And the Lord would speak unto this house. And I declare unto thee that the first of the coming month is the beginning of the second half of the year. And I say unto thee, saith the Lord, that this second half of the year shall be a time that I shall truly create overflow, that you shall see the manifested blessings of God, not just in your finances, or not just in your body, or not just in your relationship, but in all of them working together to produce good. I say unto thee, the spirit of the enemy has tried to bring a mindset of limitation, but I am breaking that off, and I am breaking it off of you tonight. You came through these doors. Many of you came through weary. You came through the doors uh, with frustrations. You came through the doors with battling discouragement and depression. You came through the doors uh, in pain in your body. Many of you that are watching right now have been struggling mentally, emotionally, physically, financially. But I say to you, the victory is yours and the battle is the Lord's. And I say to thee in the second half of this year, you shall see victories like you have never seen before. I will put in your hand what you need. I will touch your body with what you need. I will minister to your thoughts with exactly what you need. There is no recession in heaven. There is only overflow. And I say to you, rejoice. I say again, rejoice. I say again, rejoice. I say again, rejoice because the enemy is defeated. He is under your feet. In every place the soles of your feet shall tread. That have I given you. Rejoice, saith God, because again the victory is yours and the battle is the Lord. Somebody give God a shout. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the name of Just lift your hands up toward heaven for just a moment. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just stay in the spirit with me. Just stay in the spirit with me. If you are filled with the spirit with the evidence of tongues for the next 30, 45 seconds, I just want you to open up your mouth and pray in the Holy Ghost. Because as you start praying in the Holy Ghost, yokes are going to begin to break. Shackles are going to begin to snap. Burdens are going to begin to be lifted. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now stay with me. I, I want to ask you a question. I, I've just got one night with you and I've got to touch as many people as I can. But if you feel like there's been an attack of the enemy on your home, because the enemy came to take, just, just give me just a second. The enemy, the enemy, it's like he's trying to come at your home, trying to come at your family. 
I, just throw your hand up in there and just say, you're talking to me about that. All right, don't be ashamed. All right, now I want you to just lift your hand. Just step toward an aisle. Just step toward an aisle right now. And I want you that lifted your hand to lift both your hands toward heaven. I, we're, we're getting ready to see, I'm getting ready to see God. I want to see God start working miracles. I want to see God start moving mountains. If you're standing in the aisle right now, I want you to get ready. I just want you to lift your hands up. I want you to start praying in the Holy Ghost right now. Father, come on, start praying in the Holy Ghost. He's Now, Father, I plead the blood over every house represented here. I plead the blood of the Lamb over every house. And I declare the power of the blood will repel the works of the devil. I declare the power of the blood will rebuke the powers of Satan. And I declare you will stand in front of the doorway of their spiritual house and in front of the doorway of their natural house, their family. And I take authority over the destructive, death-oriented works of the enemy. Satan, take your hands off God's property. Leave the properties of these people. Leave in the realm of influence over the work you're trying to do in families. And I rebuke the destroyer and I plead the blood of Jesus against him in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, all over this house, lift your hands up and start praising God. Just start praising God. Just start praising God. Just start declaring the destroyer is under my feet. Just declare it. Now you say it. I plead the blood. Come on, say it. I plead the blood against the destroyer. Come on, say it again. I plead the blood against the destroyer. Say it again. I plead the blood against the destroyer. In Jesus' name, somebody give God a shout. Somebody give God a shout. Now, if you've been battling with fear, with anxiety, with worry, uh, you know, all the different fancy terms they put to it, but it really all or originates in the spirit of fear. Get You find a place in the aisle. Just get out in the aisle. If you've been battling with fear, if you've been battling with anxiety, if you've been battling with self-esteem issues, all of those things, just lift your hands up right now. I declare the power. I declare the love of God. I declare the wisdom of God be activated in your life and I declare he who the Lord hath made free is free and I declare a breakthrough in these people's lives. I declare fear. I declare anxiety. I declare being scared. I declare terror. I declare panic. I declare fearfulness. I declare all of it is bound by the power of the dunamis of God. I declare perfect love casts out fear and I declare the wisdom of God will cause you to make right choices that will lead you into paths of righteousness in the name of Jesus. Now, if there's anybody here, I want you to lift your hand up that you're battling with heaviness. You're battling in a sense. Let me, let me bring this out. You're battling with despair. You're battling with being disheartened, discouraged. You feel like, man, I can't take anymore. I'm overwhelmed. If, if, who am I talking to with this? Just throw your hands up. I see hands 
going up all over the house. All right, right now, just throw both your hands up in the air. Just throw both your hands up in the air if that's you. God, in the, now, right now, all over this house, just start praising God. Just start praising God. Just start praising God. Just start praising God. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Just start praising God in the name of Jesus. Just start praising God. I rebuke the spirit of heaviness. 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 And we put on the garment of praise. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are Jehovah Shalom. You are El Shaddai. You are God Almighty. You're our sanctification. You're our righteousness. You're our shepherd. You're Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. You're Jehovah Nissi, our banner of victory. You're Jehovah. You're Jesus. You're the Holy Ghost. We praise you, Almighty God. Somebody give God a shout. Somebody give God a shout. Is there anybody battling physically out here? Anybody that's struggling with any type of physical problem? You're all healthy. Nobody's. All right, right now, take your hand. Take your hand, and if it's appropriate, lay it upon the area of your body that you're struggling with. Just right now, wherever it's at. If you're having headaches, then put your hand on your head. If it's your back, if you can't hear, just put your hand there. And in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I rebuke. I rebuke the spirit of infirmity. I declare you are the Lord who heals. I declare it's your will that we prosper and be in health. I declare that the stripes are part of the atonement and your shed blood has been spilled for our healing. And I declare healing and I declare health upon every person in this house. And I declare God not just having a good day every now and then. I declare restored health. I declare you renew our youth like the eagle. I declare it's your will that we prosper and that we are in health. In the name of Jesus, somebody give God one more good praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That fifth spirit was the devourer. So now I want you to sit down. I want you to sit down. I'm okay. I want you to sit down. I want you to listen to me. I pray about offerings. I really do. Because years and years ago, I was pastoring at that time in Indiana. And a young man came up. And I knew our church wasn't very large, so I, I was a little more involved with a lot of people's personal issues. And he came up to me and he had a $100 bill in his hand. Now this is like 1983, 85, something like that. $100 bills worth more back then. And I knew the struggles that their family was in. And he said, Pastor, I need to sow this $100. I said, man, I can't. I can't take that $100. I can't do it. I can't do it. I said, I know how the dilemma you're in. Tears started streaming down his face. He said, don't rob me of my blessing. Don't rob me of my blessing. He hadn't been saved very long, 
but he had more revelation about giving than some of the people in my church have been saved for years. He knew, he knew something that when he sowed that seed, that the voice of God was going to rebuke the devourer. I pray about offerings. And that may not sound real spiritual to some of you, but I realize that if you obey God and I challenge you with what the Lord has challenged me to challenge you with, it can be a seed that produces a breakthrough. I had one of the large, I had the largest in our 52 year history. Not long ago, I had the largest single offering that was ever given to our ministry given. It was a church changing level of a gift. And the young man that sowed the seed, I'd baptized him. He got filled with the Holy Ghost under our ministry, met his wife in our church, been there pretty much all his life. He told me, he said, I remember the first time I ever paid tithe. He said, and I remember meeting some of the successful business people in our church. He said, I wanted to, I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be able to give at that level that my offering could maybe change the future of our ministry. I'm looking at this young man. He's around 40 years old. I, my flashback to when he was a little kid and he hung out with my sons and they fought and wrestled in the living room of our home. And now God had supernaturally blessed him. I said, Pastor, because you taught me to give, because you taught me to tithe, because you taught me to give offerings when I was led by the Spirit, I can do this today because everything God prophesied over me came to pass. So I pray about offerings. I pray about them because I realize that sometimes one seed can be the difference maker. One seed can turn things for somebody. I'm thinking it was a Pentecost conference. And so I asked Brother Eric if he would prepare me 50 envelopes. Is everybody okay? Boy, man, now I got, did, did get quiet now. It's offering time. Just bring them to me. I'm going to ask you to do something with this. And I'm going to ask you to do one thing with this. I know a lot of people give online. I know a lot of people do giving in a lot of different ways. But I want everybody that's going to give, I want you to do something for me. I'm not going to ask you. Majority of you that are out here can do this. But I believe that God wants to activate a different season. And I could ask for a whole lot more. It'd be real easy. But see, I want to believe God to activate a new season of just enough, but more than enough. I want you to take your seed and cause God to rebuke the devourer for you. And I want you to give it with that in mind. I want you to give it thinking and believing that when you sow this tonight, God will call your name and rebuke the devourer for you, for you. And I thought, well, God, what do you want me to challenge him with? Because be really say, just give a hundred dollars or, you know, for others, it might be more. 
Lord said, you challenge him to sow an $88 seed. Eight represents new beginnings. One day, they left a place that they never returned to. And I want you to leave a place that you will not return to. And if you will do this and say tonight, I'm not talking about installment plans and six weeks from now and next year. I'm talking about right now. Right now, you will do this. Say, I want to be a partner to bless your ministry and obey God. And I want this seed to connect me to this word. If you'll do this, I want you to get out of your seat. Meet me down here right now, quickly. Praise God. Could I get some help handing these envelopes out? Will you help me? Thank you. Just come quickly. You don't have to have your offering ready right now. I just want you to get down here because I want to pray over you. Say, I, I, yeah, now stay down here. Don't, don't leave. Don't run away. Just stay down here. Just stay down here. Come quickly. Come quickly. Praise God. Come quickly. I know you've been in church every night, and here I've held you. But I have preached good. I think I came with not a sermon, but a word. You know, sometimes God just speaks something to you. You know how hard it is to discipline yourself to do something every day? Every day my wife sat at the table, and we take authority over the devourer, the spirit of heaviness, spirit of fear, spirit of infirmity. Take authority over the destroyer. Every day we do it. If you're coming, come right now. I'm going to take one more minute. I'm not. I'm not going to plead. And I'm not going to beg. And uh, I know it's very upsetting. These preachers are always asking for offerings. Praise God. No, he's yelling at his mind. Say, give a thousand dollars. Don't give eighty-eight. Praise God. All hearts clear. Everybody come. Now, I want you to do something with this because I know many of you have to go back, write out a check, or get this offering prepared. Well, I want you to do something with it. I just want you to put a V on that envelope. I just want you to put a V. You don't even have to write victory. I don't even want to challenge you that much. I just want you to put a V, because that was the symbol for victory during World War II. And we're remembering a lot of things this season of the year. But I want you to put a V on it. But I want you to put a V on it with the attitude, total victory. Total victory. Total victory. Nikki, I want you to put a V on there because I'm believing for total victory for your father. You should give, say, we're, we're believing for total victory in our church, total victory for our pastor, total victory in our finances, total victory in our bodies, total victory in our marriages. We're believing God for this. We're believing God for this. Now, I want you to lift that envelope up toward heaven. And I, I want you to do something. I want you to just go to the motion of just don't let it go. Just, I don't want to just go through it. We're going to practice. Just go through the motion. Just go through the motion. All right. Now hold it up high. I'm going to show you what's going to happen. All right. Sow it. I rebuke the devourer. Now sow it again. I rebuke the devourer. Sow it again. I rebuke the devourer. Now, now hold on. Now, I want you to hold it up. 
And when you drop it, I want you to declare you rebuke the devourer and speak out your name. One, two, oh, go ahead. I rebuke the devourer. What's your name? Come on, let me hear your name. Because the Bible said he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. So Nicole, when you drop it, say, I rebuke the devourer for Nicole's sake. Come on, try it again. Rebuke the devourer. I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke the devourer. Say, why do you go through all of this? Listen, I go through all of it because I want you to get a revelation. When Jerry Savelle was with it, he said, just don't say you believe it. Say you believe it and you receive it. I believe it and I receive it. And I want you to receive more than enough. God just didn't give enough loaves and fishes to feed the people. He had 12 basketfuls left over. God wants you to live in that 12 basketful left over route. He wants you to have savings. He wants you to have overflow. He wants you to have more than enough. Lift it up again. Lift it up again. Drop it down and say, I rebuke the devourer. Say it again. I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke. Rebuke the devourer. Somebody give God a praise. Somebody give God a praise. Glory to God. I felt there were several of you that are going to be down here that took this because I gave this challenge to where the majority of you that would listen would be obedient. But there's some of you that God is going to deal with you when you, as you return to your seat to write out your check or however you're going to give. He's saying to you, I want you to do this. It's not what he challenged, but this is my challenge. Because some of you need miracles. Some of you need real breakthroughs. That might mean you sow $188. So that means you might sow $588 or $300. I don't know. But I want you to be sensitive to the Lord. And if you will be sensitive to the Lord, God will bring breakthroughs. And Nicole, I don't know what this is all about. But there is a major financial breakthrough coming to your house. There's a major financial breakthrough. And I know how you and Randy both serve in the church and in the ministry. But I presume Randy's probably got his fingers in some other things because he always does. But I see, I see a contract. I see something being activated that is going to release miracles greater than you guys have ever walked in before in your life. God said, the devourer is rebuked. The devourer is rebuked. The devourer is rebuked. The devourer is rebuked over your church. I'm telling you something. I, I didn't just accidentally bring you up here. I want you to see this, that every time a seed gets sown in your church, every time you sow a seed, every time you sow a seed into the kingdom of God, the devourer is being rebuked and blessing is coming to the people. It's coming to the people. Same thing in your ministry and all of you that are standing before me. Just, just do it again. Just do it again. Just say it again. I rebuke. Say it again. I rebuke the devourer. Say it one more time. I rebuke the devourer. Praise God. I want, you, I want you right now lift your hands up and say, thank you, God. I'm expecting more than enough. I'm expecting more than enough. All over the house, somebody give God a praise. Everybody that's in the house, you can slip back to your seats and prepare your offerings and then we'll receive them. That I, I, want, you to, I want you to prepare your offering. You that didn't feel to come down and do this, fine. Fine. 
You're doing what God's telling you. When you sow that seed tonight, the devourer will be rebuked. And I declare you're going to feel better. I declare pain and swelling is going out of your body in the name of Jesus. I see something shifted in your church, my friend. What town is that you're in? Kenton. I see something shifting in the church. And God, I want you to hear me on this. There are three people in your church that are getting ready to get some major breakthroughs in their businesses or in their careers. I see something shifting for them. Because a lot of times we're always praying, God, send us people that are wealthy. Send us, and there's nothing wrong with that. But God spoke to me a few years ago. He said, I'm going to make millionaires in your church. And I have seen this happen over the last two years that I've watched people go from where they were into supernatural, miraculous overflows. And there's three people, I don't know, I'd love to say 20, but there's three that are, you're getting ready to watch God miraculously intervene. And they're going to sit down, they're going to bring checks and going to say, this is the beginning of what God's doing. And it's going to help shift the vision. It's going to help enlarge the vision. And God said, I didn't have you here by accident tonight. You needed to hear this word. And God said, the barriers are moving. The barriers are moving. The barriers are moving. The barriers are moving. You say, well, you didn't prophesy over I've been prophesying over all of you all night. I've been speaking a word to you. There's a presence of God that is upon you, sir, and virtue is flowing through your body right now. There's strength going into you. There is strength going into you. There is healing, anointing going into you. You look strong. You look healthy. But the Lord said, my power is permeating through you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. And God has heard your cry. And when I talked about worry and I talked about anxiety, you've been struggling. You've been battling. You're a woman of faith, but you've been going through it. And the Lord said, perfect love casts out fear. The miraculous dunamis of God and the wisdom of God. I see the glory setting down in your house. You both are going to start feeling better. You get up some morning and say, God, I know I slept eight hours, but I feel like I didn't get any rest. Lord said, your body is getting ready to get rejuvenated by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you're going to say, thank God for that crazy preacher because the spirit of fear is off of me. The spirit of infirmity is broken. Somebody better give God a shout tonight. Give God a praise tonight. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want everybody in the house, I want everybody in the house to be a giver. I want everybody in the house to be a giver. I want everybody in the house to be a giver. So I couldn't do what you asked for in that offering. I didn't say you had to give that. Some of you are going to do more than that. Some of you will do as close to it as you can. But I want you to sow it, and I want you to sow it believing for total victory, and I want you to start sowing, believing God that it's not just enough, but it's the God of more than enough. Amen. Everybody lift your offerings up toward heaven, however you give. Do they give on apps and online and all that kind of stuff? I figured they did. Yeah, I saw Gerald's got his phone up. God bless that iPhone. Praise God. I couldn't pay the bills without those, all those people that give on their phones. 
They tell me what the numbers are when the offering comes in the bucket. And I said, oh, praise God. There's all those offerings that are coming in on the phone. That's what gets us over the top. God, in the name of Jesus, I declare right now that the devourer is, just do that motion with that seed. I declare it in Jesus' name that the devourer is rebuked in Jesus' name. Now bring me some offering containers. You, you've got the sacred vessels in the house. Praise God. How you doing, my friend? Praise the Lord. I want everybody to stand, everybody to come. I want everybody to give. And then after you've given, return to your seats. And I want to declare one final blessing over you, and I'll turn it back into the hands of the leadership. Praise God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hey, Doc. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you tonight. God bless you tonight. Hallelujah. 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 I'm not sure who I turn the service back to. I'll give it back to Pastor. Just stretch your hands toward me right now. I pray that you were blessed tonight. It was well worth your time to be here this evening and those of you that watched online. But let's believe God tonight. I declare this, the high priestly blessing. May the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Brother Eric, God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Well, we want to say thank you for that word tonight. As he said, he prophesied over everybody tonight. I know I sensed in my spirit good things are going to happen. Our breakthroughs are coming in the second half of this year. So I encourage you, water that seed, right? Continue to speak faith. Continue to remind the devil he has lost and he's under our feet. And I encourage you just to claim that word because the second half of this year is going to be greater than the first half of this year. Amen? All right, well, we want to say thank you for being a part of Pentecost Conference. We'll be doing this again next year along with VBS. And we were going to say thank you for praying for Pastor. He is getting better day by day. Continue to pray for him as well. And we will see you on Sunday at 10 a.m.